From the University of North Texas in Denton, I'm Gabriella Whitmore, along with my teammates Wendy Starks and Rodrigo Triana, and this is Out in Oaklawn, a queer history of Dallas, a podcast about the largest neighborhood in Texas. In this episode, we will explore and analyze the current state of Oaklawn and the future of the neighborhood, while also diving into the complexities and the culture of this neighborhood. Oaklawn represents community for LGBTQ. Oaklawn represents support for LGBTQ. Oaklawn represents family for LGBTQ. Oaklawn gives the LGBTQ community comfort from the owners of bars and restaurants to the workers and staff to the regular patrons and visitors. Today in 2023, the heart of Oaklawn is at Cedar Springs and Oaklawn Avenue in Dallas, Texas. The center of the neighborhood is defined by 10 rainbow crosswalks along Cedar Springs, with multiple LGBTQ-friendly bars and restaurants to choose from. This is just one of the few things that differentiates Oaklawn from other areas in the Dallas Metroplex. This is still the geographic heart of our community. So to have this, yeah, I I think people feel pride in knowing that uh, we're doing something to not just preserve this community, but to really make it stand out. Tony Vetta from the North Texas LGBT Chamber of Commerce spoke to NBC5 regarding the crosswalk's impact on the community. According to the North Texas LGBT Chamber of Commerce Foundation, the Dallas Crosswalk Project began in 2019 between the Cedar Springs Merchant Association and the LGBT Chamber of Commerce Foundation in conjunction with community and business leaders. Privately funded, the goal of the Rainbow Crosswalks is to enhance the vibrancy and attractiveness of the area as part of Dallas's plan to symbolize LGBTQ identity and pride. At the intersection of Cedar Springs and Throckmorton, all four pedestrian crossings are covered by the colors of the rainbow. This is the only intersection in Dallas with a four-way rainbow crossing. Next to this intersection stands a significant spot marked by a state historical marker. Despite Dallas's reputation as one of the state's more conservative cities, its LGBTQ community was among the first in Texas to organize politically and socially. In 1947, the city became home to the first gay bar in Texas, Club Reno, and in 1972 was the site of the first gay pride parade in Texas. In 1980, the pride parade moved from downtown to the one and only Cedar Springs Road. Placed in 2019, this marker represents the community of safe spaces in Oaklawn to relax and make memories with your friends without the fear of discrimination. This marker will always symbolize the oldest gay businesses in the city and remains a focus point for economic, political, and social gathering within the LGBTQ community today. Another Oaklawn landmark is the Legacy of Love Monument. Since its creation in 2005, people have been gathering here to host celebrations, remembrances, and protests. 
This landmark was privately funded by the Oaklawn Committee with the goal of promoting diversity and encouraging the community to come together. This landmark is at the corner of Cedar Springs and Oaklawn Avenue, the focus point of Oaklawn. The history of Oaklawn is embedded in these modern-day crosswalks and monuments. It represents that the LGBTQ community can call Oaklawn home. They can have fun with their friends without fear of discrimination or fear of being treated poorly at certain establishments due to their identity. When they come to Oaklawn, they are supporting the LGBTQ community from the staff to the management and to the owners. This is direct support from the LGBTQ community for the LGBTQ community. Currently, in 2023, Oaklawn has a variety of restaurants, bars, and entertainment. From JR's to Woody's, the Roundup Saloon to Sue Ellen's, the Mining Company to Roy G's, or even Mr. Mr. to Alexandre's. There are options for the community to choose from, and each bar has its own crowd and own uniqueness. Take two-step lessons at Roundup or to dance the night away on the floor of S4. Maybe you're in the mood for brunch with some drag queens. You know, Oaklawn has its own style and vibe compared to the other neighborhoods of Dallas. Oaklawn is a site of so much. Whether that be history, bars, or entertainment, you're sure to find something, especially drag shows. You've probably heard of them on the news at some point over the last year. Maybe you've heard of a few drag queens like RuPaul or Trixie Mattel. It seems as though after the pandemic, the accessibility of a drag show has increased, especially in the Dallas area. Oaklawn has long served as a hub for drag. This is credited to it being the location of the nationally renowned Rose Room, a venue inside of Station 4, one of the numerous gay clubs that inhabit the neighborhood. We look at the Rose Room as far more than a local venue. Um, there are entertainers that would break their leases and move to Dallas to be part of the Rose Room cast, and have, historically. Um, it's one of the few places that has, um, one, had the longevity of show, but also that has taken care of its cast as well as it has. There's only a few venues throughout the country that are like that. And then now, fortunately, the, with Hamburger Mary's success being better and better, you know, they've got some really strong casts throughout the country that have had longevity and have been taken care of. Um, so there's there's a there's a handful. There are places around the country that that have a legacy similar to ours. But here in Dallas, um, the Rose Room has been the heartbeat of the community. Um, that has just been beating for 35 years or more. Um, the Rose Room has always been there. And uh, I believe it will always be there. That was Jenna Sky, a drag queen that's well known in Oaklawn, but was also crowned Miss Gay USA and Miss Gay Texas in 2014. Sky has been performing for almost 20 years, most of that time being spent in the iconic S4 Rose Room. She recounts her experience about how much it meant to be able to perform at the Rose Room. It's, it's funny because when I when I joined the cast in the Rose Room, it wasn't easy to get. It's still not easy to get on that cast. The expectation was so high at that point because the room was legendary, and 
you know, I got a lot of flack and hate for being put on that cast because I was a very young entertainer. And looking back where I was, I mean, absolutely, I can see why people said the things they said. But you've got to come in and you don't you don't get to start low. And, you know, I, it, it was very unforgiving. You don't get to be new on the Rose Room cast. Even though I was new, I had to be legendary at that expectation. And I was far from that. And so it, it was years before I really kind of got my footing and was able to really kind of establish myself as part of that legacy. Um, and I still have days where I still feel like I'm trying to establish my legacy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, because that, that show is bigger than any one entertainer. However, with the increase in visibility comes the challenge of staying visible. Over the past year, numerous states have introduced anti-drag legislation to their state house, including Texas. Texas Senate Bill 12 was authored by conservative Senator Brian Hughes. Hughes is serving his third term in the Texas Senate, representing District 1, which includes cities like Tyler, Paris, and Longview, to name a few. I want to note that when I was researching this bill in Senator Hughes, I came across his quote directly from his website, which states, quote, Senator Hughes promotes individual opportunity and personal liberty so that everyone can experience the American dream. Senator Hughes and others supporting the bill, such as Governor Greg Abbott and State Attorney General Ken Paxton, claim the bill intends to protect children from sexually explicit performances. So I read the bill. Senate Bill 12 intends to regulate and restrict sexually oriented performances on the premise of a commercial enterprise, public property, or in the presence of a minor. Senate Bill 12 amends the Health and Safety Code, Local Government Code, and the Penal Code to provide for the regulation of sexually oriented performances. But what is a sexually oriented performance? According to the newly amended Texas Penal Code, it would be a visual performance that, quote, appeals to the purian interest in sex, end quote. Essentially, the bill utilizes vague language purposely. With the new definition of sexual conduct, a drag performer could be arrested simply for being in drag, as most performers use accessories or prosthetics that exaggerate female characteristics. Additionally, if a drag performer were to use music that contains sexual innuendos in their performance, like the song WAP by Cardi B, or if they were to twerk in their performance, that could be seen as an appeal to the purient interest in sex, which would then result in a Class A misdemeanor. With the creation of this bill, drag performances are portrayed as inherently sexual when they aren't. Luckily, LGBTQ activists and business groups sued the state of Texas because the law discriminates against the content of performances and restricts free expression, which are protected rights under the First and Fourteenth Amendment, thus resulting in a federal injunction against the bill by U.S. District Judge David Hitner. Jenna Skye recalls how Mike Wynn, the new owner of Station 4, helped advocate against SB 12. He's been integral. Actually, he and the, the owner of the Hamburger Mary's have been the two that have really been part of the driving force behind the, the lobbying and campaigning to fight the, the recent bill. You shoot for the moon and then when things wouldn't work out or things would pass or it would move to the next stage and you'd lose things, you'd win some things, you'd, you know, you'd work out language changes, but then it, it, at some point you got to think, well, what's our best strategy now? And at one point it was like, we're not going to be able to do this, but if we get them to completely rewrite the entire bill, then no one's going to want to vote for it anymore. And then it won't pass. But then there was the worry of if it doesn't pass at this point, like we need it to pass now so that it'll go to this one, because if it fails there, it's done. 
But if it fails here, then they go back to the drawing board, they put it right back the way it is, and we start all over again. So it was like they had a team of people, and that's when we went down to help out. Like we were very much part of that strategy. And um, I'm very impressed with with that man and uh, his ability to um, just fight, to fight. And it was, you know, it's of course it's about pre preserving and protecting his business, but it was really, that man fights for us. To understand why anti-drag legislation like Senate Bill 12 is harmful, you need to understand the history and the art of drag. It's believed that drag originated out of Harlem, New York in the 1860s, where the queer and trans individuals felt safe. Drag shows were essential to the creation of LGBTQ safe spaces, as well as a place for community organization. Most notably though, throughout the 1980s during the AIDS epidemic, drag performances were fundraisers for those affected by AIDS. Whether the fundraisers be for housing or medical bills, the queens did what they did best and supported their community in the process. Oaklawn has significantly grown due to the impacts of its activism and the drag community. But with rapid growth comes emigration. As Oaklawn has grown, migration out of the neighborhood for a number of reasons has occurred. One major reason being that the gentrification of the area has made it unaffordable for those living within the neighborhood. Areas surrounding Oaklawn, such as North Oak Cliff, are welcoming the migration. North Oak Cliff's Bishop Arts District was born in the 1980s when a gay couple moved to the area to escape the gentrification that made Oakland too expensive to live in. My teammates and I took a trip to Bishop Arts to observe the neighborhood firsthand and compare it with Oakland. Upon first observation, parking was a nightmare. We went on a Sunday during the Bishop Arts market, so heavy foot traffic was to be expected. Aesthetic buildings line the main road. Establishments include various shops, restaurants, galleries, and offices. Unlike Oaklawn, Bishop Arts has few bars, and most clubs are social clubs, which encourage networking. As we walked the main strip, we encountered various small businesses that had settled for the market. Music was everywhere as two men performed reggae along the main strip. Eventually, we encountered the Alley of Tents, which contained many small businesses there for the market. Some people were native to the area, others traveling from various cities within the DFW Metroplex. Most businesses in the market were handmade arts and crafts, vintage clothing, and food. We wanted to hear from the community about how they felt about Bishop Arts. Why are people moving here? What's the allure? Oh man, I'd say just the amount of stores that are here, stuff to do. Like uh, the malls aren't too far away, you got all this, places to go. I think as far as DFW goes, it's pretty alright. Um, I, I call it the Brooklyn of Dallas. Up and coming. Melting pot. Lots to do. These seemed like big things that were drawing people in from other Dallas neighborhoods. Additionally, I asked Jenna Sky their opinion on the sentiment that Bishop Arts is the new Oaklawn and if they were similar. They're similar in the sense that they are a, um, a contained cultural space. Um, in a very small, Centered area. It's very dense with a particular type of market. But Bishop Arts is sort of a fancier deep ellum. It's a mixed crowd. I wouldn't say Bishop Arts is gay. I think Bishop's, Bishop Arts is open-minded and progressive. And so the businesses there support drag. And so they have brought drag and 
they employ trans people and, you know, they're very proactive and um, welcoming and forward-minded. So I think as a community, they embody how everywhere should be, in my opinion. Um, Oak Lawn is, is the gay center and it, it would have to be dismantled for it to try to move somewhere else. And that was sort of what the talk was when we were, you know, sort of petitioning the city about this, the, the building around us. And one of the comments was, why don't you just move to Bishop Arts? They would welcome you there. I'm sure they would have a space for you there. And it was like, okay, no. <laughs> um, you know, it would just, it, it, when you decentralize something that has existed for this many decades and is a historic marker, if, if we're no longer the, the gay, the gayberhood, and you break us all up, then it's, it's, it's gonna um, desaturate something that it is, it's helped make us successful because we've, um, we sort of feed off of each other. We get to share customers and share, you know, the crowd and the, and the community because we're all right there. And um, if we were broken apart in multiple places, it would, it would thin us all, I believe. And we saw that as um, sort of a, an initiative to dismantle a healthy gay culture and gay community in Dallas. And so we wanted to, to fight to keep it intact the way it is now. Oaklawn has long been the only home of the gay community in Dallas, but how long can they keep this title? What if the neighborhood changed so much that it was no longer recognizable? The historical and cultural significance of Oaklawn cannot be overstated. This neighborhood allows for queer identity and culture to flourish, and the neighborhood proudly displaying numerous rainbow flags to the extravagant shows of drag has become a spot that draws in people from all corners of the country. This has caused the neighborhood to grow rapidly in order to keep up with the times, and an unknown path lies ahead for the Dallas neighborhood. The neighborhood has been rapidly changing as old buildings are being torn down to make room for more luxurious places like condos, and the process displaces inhabitants that made the neighborhood into what it is today, or in other words, it is being gentrified. This gentrification is an issue that is currently plaguing the neighborhood as more and more developers move into the area to capitalize on the popularity of Oak Lawn in order to make it seem more presentable and cleaner. The city has gotten a facelift and um, I know it's displaced a lot of people. We delved into numerous sources to see what we could find about the gentrification of Oak Lawn. We sorted through the archives and found some newspapers from the Dallas Voice, a weekly LGBTQ-focused newspaper based in Dallas. Within them, we found some interesting information about Oaklawn and the development going on there. In 2012, the Dallas Voice published an article describing some new apartment complexes and how exciting it was to see this development in the neighborhood. A disgruntled reader sent a response to the Dallas Voice article that was then published. The disgruntled reader claimed that the LGBTQ community was celebrating gentrification and that no one was speaking against it. He claimed that the new apartment complex's cheapest rent was just over $1,000 per month. He also said he knew someone with AIDS who received Social Security and lived in the old apartments that were torn down to create the new ones. He wonders where people like his friend are supposed to go if this gentrification continues. A business owner we interviewed out on the Bishop Arts District happened to be from Oakland, and we asked him about what life in Oakland was like. Oakland, I live there because it's convenient for me for work, and I've been there for like five years. 
So I'm 32 now. So when I moved, I wanted, like, young professional, like, where you can kind of go, like, be around people that had like-mindedness but still could kind of go out and hang out. So essentially that's why I moved to that area. We then asked if Oakland and other Dallas neighborhoods were being gentrified. For sure. And so that's kind of what this brand is. Like, my brand is why I created it. Sunny South is south area of Dallas which is definitely becoming gentrified. So Trinity Grove area, which we're familiar with, is definitely gentrification going on there. I wouldn't necessarily say Oaklawn is becoming gentrified, but for sure, like, Bishop Art, Oak Cliff area, like, those areas are definitely becoming gentrified, for sure. This gentrification isn't unique to Oaklawn. When we went to the Bishop Arts District, we asked questions about if Bishop Arts was gentrified. This part, absolutely. This part is for sure, because... I think, like, I used to live here like a decade ago, too, and it was way different. It was, like, way less apartments full of people coming in, way less of this. It was more, like, localized, really. But now it's, like, I guess being marketed to people from tourists. I've seen people from Canada, Australia, uh, Denmark, people from everywhere. They come here. That's not all. In 2019, there was an anonymous submission to the Dallas Voice listing the person's complaints with the state of Oakland and the Oakland Committee, a volunteer body created to oversee urban development in Oakland. The grievances were scathing. They claimed that the neighborhood was getting denser and denser with each passing year and that affordable housing is becoming impossible to find. They also had a bone to pick with the committee itself as they claimed that it was composed of, quote, old, white, wealthy people whose ultimate goal is to promote their own real estate interest, end quote. We tried getting in contact with the Oakland community as I sent an email to them in hopes of conducting an interview, but unfortunately, we were unable to get a response. It's safe to say that this anonymous source was pretty unhappy with the way things were going in Oakland. Another person has some similar thoughts when we were at Bishop Arts. I'm very bitter about Oakland. Oh. <laughs> I feel like it's very commercial now. Mm. I think it's great for bachelorette parties and all the jazz. It's very just. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I feel like they created, they cater more to the straight visitors than I think some of the. But I've been there for a while. I like the growth, but it's still different. I can start to describe. Like, you go to S4, it's a bunch of girls who are there for the restaurant party. You know, this is kind of like gimmicky and mimicky. When my team and I went to Oakland on a Saturday night to conduct some interviews, I could see that there were a lot of people there, yes, but. The crowd wasn't friendly towards us, and no one was willing to do an interview with us, despite our best efforts to approach them in a friendly manner. Since the community was off, and it felt more like a tourist attraction rather than a place where a gay community flourished, it's pretty evident that Oakland has changed a lot from the place it started out to be, and it's at risk of losing the historically significant neighborhood it is known as. During our interview, Jenna Sky mentioned something about some new residential towers being built in the neighborhood, and we remembered coming across an article from D Magazine that mentioned this. Well, I'm curious when they're going to start building this, these new sky rises right behind us. Um, my only concern with that is what it's going to do to parking <laughs> while they're building the parking garages. Um, it's supposed to increase parking, though, so I'm, I am excited about when it's done that we're going to have more parking. Apparently, Mike Ablon, the founding partner of a development company called Pegasus Ablon, aims to build two residential towers in the area in hopes of bringing more people to the neighborhood. In the following clip, he sounds very ambitious to reshape the landscape of Oakland and is determined to make it bigger, 
and better. To understand where culture comes together with commerce and how you look at the way the world's changing and how you build a place where that flourishes. Because if we can do that in Dallas, we don't become big. We can become great. Um, an example of that would uh, take the Oakland project I'm working now on Cedar Springs. But imagine this. If I was telling you, okay, um, we're going to get these two buildings in New York. You went back to New York, Rockefeller Rock Center. Yeah. And we're going to buy these two buildings, and I'm going to build an ice rink behind them. Trust me, this is going to be really cool. And then we're going to put this big building behind it to backstop it. We're going to call it 30 Rock. And it's going to be great. You kind of go, yeah, right. dude, you lost it. Yeah. That ice rink with Prometheus holding up the globe is the greatest central park in North American continent. And it's just an ice rink, but it's how it really functions. So take those buildings on Oak Lawn, put an urban room behind it, and then flank it with buildings. And it will become, I hope, I think, I hope, <laughs> a significant cultural piece of our city fabric but also a marker of perseverance backed supporting a community. If we can do that, talent will come to Dallas to be here. And jobs, you don't build for jobs. You build a great city fabric. Talent comes here because talent migrates and says, I want to be there. And then the jobs come streaming in. What is surprising about Alblon is that he has stated numerous times that he's willing to cooperate with the people of Glon to preserve the historic neighborhood while still bringing new development to the area. Prominent figures in Oakland, like Kathy Jack, have expressed favorable views when talking about Mike Ablon and his plans. It's definitely a more positive outlook for him and the community, as he wants to, quote, keep the mythology, end quote, of Oakland, and he believes that the old and new buildings in the area enhance each other. We tried getting an interview with Mike Ablon, but unfortunately, we weren't available to get one. Still, Ablon has an optimistic principle to stand by. Only time will tell how the plans for this new Oak Lawn will turn out. At the end of our interview with Jenna Sky, we asked them what they thought the future of Oak Lawn would look like. I feel like as the city continues to grow around us, that we're going to feel much more squeezed into a very small space. And so I think there was a time when the neighborhood branched more densely onto um, Maple and over to Lemon and, um, you know, there used to be a, a lot more smaller little gay bars. Um, but again, that was also in the day when the only place gay people could go was a gay bar. And fortunately we don't live in a world that we have to do that anymore. So we can really go to any bar that we want and not be bothered and not have a, a worry. Um, and so I think just nationwide, that was an issue with the smaller clubs or the smaller bars and venues sort of not being able to sustain a, a consistent client base. And so we've, we've lost a lot of the smaller places. And so it, it went from sort of being speckled around the neighborhood to being sort of like compressed in. And so I, I find us becoming more and more compressed. And I think that's going to continue. Um, yeah, I think it's going to continue. The city has has supported keeping us intact. So as long as that's the case, and I think as long as people continue to make sure there's space for gay owned and operated places that we'll be okay. Jenner's response is indicative of the nature of change and what it means to this neighborhood. Oakland has been through so much and represents even more through the LGBTQ community. Bars, shops, 
people, community, and drag are all just the many pieces of what makes this neighborhood so special, and that uniqueness is at risk. Gentrification, migration, and gradual development has changed Oaklawn, and these factors will continue to change it for years to come. However, there is hope. People like Mike Ablon and Kathy Jack are working with the community to ensure that people are not displaced and that the spirit and historical significance of the neighborhood is not forgotten. Oaklawn is changing, and maybe that's not a terrible thing. Change is a way of life and a common theme in history. Oaklawn has changed, but so has the world and the LGBTQ community. Migration to surrounding neighborhoods such as Bishop Arts and the continuous resistance towards anti-drag legislation has shown us a lot. It's shown us that the decades of activism and community cultivation in Oaklawn has ensured that gay people can leave the places that they once thought were only safe spaces for them. The queer community can now live anywhere with anyone at any time in the United States. And the queer community in Dallas couldn't have achieved what they did without this neighborhood. The origins of this neighborhood, the Texan influence on it, the shops and nightlife that bring so many to the area, the contributions of lesbians, and the activism in Oaklawn have all been important colors that make up the rainbow of queer community, support, and family. Out in Oaklawn is an undergraduate student-led project funded by the Department of History at the University of North Texas. This episode was researched and produced by Rodrigo Triana, Wendy Starks, and Gabby Whitmore. Special thanks to our professor, Dr. Wesley Phelps, the UNT's Library Special Collections Department, the Dallas Way, the Portals Texas History, and the community members of Oaklawn. Thanks also to Jenna Sky, Lana Wright, and Ethan Rodriguez for their insights into Oaklawn today. Our theme music was composed by Alexi Action. Additional music in this episode was composed by It's Water, Scale Cell, Daddy's Ass Music, and Serge Pavkin Music. You can find more episodes and research notes at our website, outinoaklawn.podbean.com. <laughs>